I hope you will come on an imaginative journey with me for a moment. I want to invite you into this space. Come into your sanctuary. Where do you sit? If you have a regular spot, please sit there. Now, what do you feel? What is being in this space like for you? For many of us, there is a special something here. Why is that? Perhaps you would answer, it's the fact that my friends are here. So true. It is heartwarming and joyful to have our community with us. Or perhaps you're thinking about the music and the words and the way they lift you up. Or maybe you feel that what is so special is that you remember that it was here that your daughter celebrated becoming a bat mitzvah. All of those are truly precious. Matov Helkenu, how good is our portion to have all of that. Yet for the moment, please let all of that slip away. Your friends, the music, the memories. Is there something more? Something about the space itself? And if so, what is that? And how is it created? These are all questions to consider given that this week we study Torah portion Truma, in which God engages the Israelites in building their first communal worship space. As we delve into these questions, I would like to share with you some insights from Thomas Moore. Moore is an interesting individual. He lived as a monk for 12 years. He holds degrees in theology, and philosophy. He became a professor of psychology and then a counselor and author. He is a student of religion in its broadest sense and has a strong knowledge of many different faiths. Thomas More in his book, The Soul's Religion, comments that religion is about the mysteries of life. It focuses on those things that are real, but are without easy answers or concrete facts. Religion gives us the constructive means to reflect and relate to the spiritual. Fully the last third of the book of Exodus is devoted to the building of the tabernacle, that portable sacrificial altar and worship space for the desert Israelites. It might be tempting to disregard these portions since we no longer need a sacrificial spot. Yet these chapters teach us about Judaism's understanding of our relationship to the divine. Many of the lessons can still be experienced in our sanctuaries. Tonight, I would like us to take a look at some of what the tabernacle and the modern sanctuary say to us. The Israelites 
Having left Sinai, where they experienced God firsthand, now need a physical reminder of God's presence in their community as they journey on through the wilderness. To provide this, God instructs them to build a holy dwelling place, the Mishkan in Hebrew, or tabernacle in English. In our parsha, God says to Moses, Tell the Israelites, Va'asuli mikdash, v'shachanti betocham, make for me a tabernacle that I may dwell in their midst. This is odd if you think about it. Making something physical to draw our focus to something completely without form or shape. In general, our religion strongly discourages this. We are told repeatedly not to make idols. But the Mishkan is not a representation of God. It is not filled with statues. Instead, it has lots of open space, open spaces to remind us to see God where we often miss God. This space, whether tabernacle or modern sanctuary, teaches by its very existence that there is a mystery to life that is greater than us and that we cannot totally comprehend. It says God is here, though we cannot see or grasp God. Sacred space reminds us of a holy presence in our lives. Thomas More talks in his book about a visit he took to the Pantheon, the Greek temple that celebrates all the gods. He comments that the Pantheon has columns all around, but is open on top. Moore writes that this structure is a way that the architects can say something about the human condition. On one hand, we are enclosed in our own shelter, but on the other hand, we are always exposed to the divine. In a similar way, the tabernacle had coverings on all sides, but most of it was open on top. A worshiper in it could look up to the sky and be aware of the world that God created and of the infiniteness of divinity. Generations later, the rabbis commented that one should try to always pray in a room that has a window. Prayer requires openness. It needs imagination and an appreciation for wonder. Looking outside gives us this. So too, the open space within our sanctuary encourages expansive spiritual thinking. It says, stay open to the divine that is within you and beyond. Let's consider briefly a few other qualities of our first house of worship and what truths it points to. The tabernacle will be in the middle of the Israelite community as they travel through the desert. On one hand, this was to protect it from enemies they might encounter as they march through various territories. But it is also a symbolic statement. It says that God is central to them. 
They wanted their physical reminder of God to truly be in their midst, not off to the side. If you think about early American cities, they were often built around a church with the church steeple rising high in the middle so everybody could see it. So it's interesting for us to consider today, where do we place our homes of worship? How close do we live to them? Is the building truly in our midst, never out of reach? Or is it a hassle to get to? Unfortunately, today, many of us do not have the ability to live near our Mishkan, but we can still keep it mentally in the foreground of our existence. I would like to suggest when we go frequently to our Mishkan, it continues to take a central place in our lives. So I truly hope that when we are all free to inhabit this space again, I really hope that those who are able to will not watch services via stream spot from home, but will as often as possible come physically into your temple that this space may work its magic. I have focused on the outer part of the tabernacle and its location in the community. But what do we learn from its inside area? First, the tent of meeting, if you can imagine this, it had an outermost part. So the tent of meeting had two separate areas to it. Half of it centered around the Holy of Holies, containing the Ark and the Ten Commandments in it, and it was covered. But the other half is an open courtyard. The Eitz Chaim Torah commentary points out that the two areas are symbolic of our relationship with God. From the one area, the Holy of Holies, that contains the Ark, God reaches out to us. From the other, where sacrifices were offered, we reach to God. To this day, we evoke the same relationship with our modern sanctuary. From the pews, we pray to God, and from the Torah, we listen to God speak to us. A relationship with God is a two-way process. This is the dialectical relationship that we see embodied in our sanctuary. Instructive two is the curtain separating off the Holy of Holies. Why is this area separate? Why does the high priest only go there once a year? And why only one person? What is being symbolically said by this cordoned off area? The Holy of Holies represents a very close, intimate connection with God. Thomas More suggests in his book that we should be wary of any religion that claims to have all the answers or that claims to put us in direct contact with the divine. Our relationship with God, he notes, is truly full of mystery. There is much we cannot know. Religions, he points out, should cultivate this sense of what he calls holy ignorance. Torah and Judaism do this. In fact, only a few Torah portions ago, God said to Moses, you cannot see my face. 
Judaism understands that God is wholly other. God is not a human. God says to Job, are my ways your ways? And our rabbis teach, if we could know God completely, we would be God. The partition in the tabernacle says something important about our relationship with God. It teaches that there are things that are hidden from humankind. There is a boundary to what we can know and experience. Maybe once in a while we get a glimpse of what is behind the curtain of our knowledge. But truly, much is not revealed to us. While we can have an awareness of God's presence and strive to live a holy life, we must acknowledge our human limitations. I think this is so intellectually honest and it is part of the wisdom and truthfulness of our religion. Emphasizing that there is much that we cannot know keeps us humble and limits our hubristic tendencies. Hence the curtain in the Holy of Holies and the doors to our own ark, which symbolize a division between humankind and God. They say that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Perhaps not being in the sanctuary together has reminded all of us what a truly special physical space this is. I know that we clergy can't wait to see you here. And we know from your calls and emails that you are eager to get back here as well. I hope it won't be too long till we can be here together, feeling the holiness of this space and the spiritual truths that it embodies. We are blessed to have our sanctuary and to know viscerally the truth of this week's Torah portion, Asuli Mikdash, Shachanti Betocham, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. While we may not all be physically here now, may the light of this place shine into each of our hearts, giving us strength and nourishing our souls. And may we take that light and bring it out into the world. Amen. Mm -hmm.